Welcome to the District Creatives Radio Show, a place where DC creatives meet to discuss arts, entertainment, and the creative economy. Listen as DC creatives share the work and content they provide in this city, discuss the joys and pains of pursuing their passion, resources for district creatives, and balancing their passion projects with their paycheck. Now, here's your host, district creative, Savvy Sharice. Welcome to the District Creators Radio Show. I'm your host, Savvy Sharice, and I'm so excited about today's guest, Kamani Wilson and Maurice Rory of the Manhood Training Rites of Passage program. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. No problem. So I'm going to start off um, by introducing Kamani Wilson. Hamani Wilson is a Washington, D.C. native and Hampton University graduate. Hamani has worked in geospatial science in support of the Department of Defense with a focus on the water, energy, food, and nexus globally. I love that. Growing up in D.C. near the Anacostia River, he has developed a passion for environmental science and environmental justice issues that plague disadvantaged communities. Hamani has been working with the Manhood Training Rites of Passage since 2003. 13 and became the program director in 2017, which we're going to talk all about today. So thank you again for joining us, Hamani. And then I'm going to introduce Maurice Rory. Maurice Rory is currently a sophomore at Bishop McNamara High School, and he is also a candidate in the Manhood Training Rights of Passage program. Maurice, thank you for joining us today. No problem. Okay, so we're just going to start off with finding out what is the Manhood Training Program? Okay, great. Um, So Manhood Training, the program is a version of a age-old process in African tradition and culture called Rites of Passage. So this is an opportunity for us to get with young men from the community, really to instill our three main types of development, which is uh, physical development, spiritual development, and also mental development. And essentially what that will do is allow them to demonstrate that they've learned, that they've studied, and that they're willing and able to become contributing members of the community. I love that. And how did that get started? Uh, so Rites of Passage for, I would just say, in African culture has been going on for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. An easy example to point to uh, would be the Roots movies. And each one, there's a particular rites of passage process that they put uh, youth through, just to maybe jog your memory. But as far as uh, here in Washington, D.C., manhood training actually started at Union Temple Baptist Church in Southeast Washington, D.C. It was pretty sure it was one of the first rites of passage programs in the country. This was around, I would say, 1980 or so. And then the program has continued throughout the years. Upon myself becoming the director, I then shifted to more of a nonprofit focus just to be able to expand the reach and the capability of what we're able to do. So it's been going on for quite some time. And there have been a lot of people who have gone through and uh, made that transition uh, through the, the rights of passage process. Awesome. Thank you for that history and thank you for sharing how the program got its origin. So for me, it's always important to talk about things that are happening in the community 
positive things that are happening in the community and specifically things that are happening for young African-American boys. And so I want to talk about the impact of the program on your participants and specifically what you all's focus is now that youth have been the focal point of a lot of negative news, unfortunately. And I know that's a loaded impact question, but I can't help not to start the conversation there because it is a priority in our city now addressing and curbing violence among our young adults and teenagers. Yeah, so I, I would say as far as curbing violence, it is, it's really about, I would say, being proactive in terms of sometimes we tend as a community to be reactive, right? We wait for these tragedies to happen or not wait for them, but these tragedies strike and they're very unfortunate situations. And then it causes everyone to look around like, like, what are we doing or what are we not doing? And so with Manhood Training, I think the idea is to be proactive teaching these young men to learn situational awareness, being able to identify a situation early, if possible, what are the warning signs that might present themselves, but also teaching them self-awareness. Like what are your personal anger triggers or what are the things that really rub you the wrong way that you know, you know, if somebody pushes those buttons, it can make you want to be violent or, or cause you to have violent tendencies. So, being that proactive, being in that proactive space to try to learn and simulate conditions before they happen and try to prepare you for real life is, is, a, is a big key part of it. I can go on and on about, you know, institutional inequities and things like that, but I'll just uh, stop right there and, and make sure I answered your question uh, correctly. No, yes, that was a great answer. It's basically what I hear you saying is getting in front of it and really teaching self-awareness, as you mentioned, which will lead to conflict management and situational awareness. So what are the goals for for the program? I think that a, a goal, I was just talking with this or one of my colleagues recently one of the other Babas in Manhattan, and what we use the term Baba is a Swahili term that means father. So we refer to our mentors as Babas. Um, but we were just talking recently about how when we came together to really start putting our intention into this process, it was much more of a philosophical origin that I think a lot of people have associated with the, with the process and the program. I think sometimes people see it as a, like a mentoring program and it's like, oh, that's cute. That's good. What you're doing for the young men. Uh, but I think we have a much more philosophical view about it in, in terms of this being not a program, but a movement, essentially. You're committing to a mentality as opposed to just committing to a program. And we really feel that this is a way to sort of not a fix all, but a way to sort of fight back against some of those institutional inequities that I sort of got at previously. Just the lack of resources, the lack of opportunities, the lack of just importance in general placed on our young Black men, African-American men. So I think for us, I think we, our goal is to have a sustained community effort as opposed to, you know, what are the impacts that these young men are going to make 20 years from now, 30 years from now, and not just you know, what are the individual improvements that they'll make today? I love referring 
to it as a movement. So moving forward in this interview, we are now referring to it as the manhood training rites of passage movement. I like that. <laughs> so what are some of the biggest lessons and the the biggest things that you focused on? I took some time to review the website and I see you all have some principles um, and pillars that you stand on. Can you share a bit about that? Absolutely. I, I would say there is a, a wide range, a, a full gamut of things that we can focus on, but we, we really tend to try to, our main three principles is, is about the self, because that's the main thing that you can control. You can't control how other people show up. You can't control how racism impacts your life. You can't control what family you're born into, but you can control, you know, how you respond to these things and how you develop personally. Uh, so I think that first that begins with that spiritual development, knowing who you are as a divine entity and, you know, what you, where you come from. Secondly, would be that physical aspect uh, and how you are developing your body, not just from a fitness standpoint, because Black men tend to do okay in that regard sometimes, but also from a health and nutrition standpoint. And then what is good for your body and what's not good for your body, ranging from food all the way to, you know, drug use and things of that sort. And then lastly would be that mental aspect, kind of alluded to it, but figuring out where you come from tangibly, like who, who are you? What kind of legacy do you come from? They're not often taught in school and through formal education about African history, about African-American history. So really developing that mental acuity and critical thinking to be able to, I think when you, when you develop those three things, you can, it kind of prepares you for any circumstance that you come through uh, throughout life. And if I recall correctly, Baba Hamani, you were a part of the manhood training program. Is that correct? So actually, I never formally went through the process. However, as far as the principles go, as far as receiving that level of training and, and having those requirements to be able to demonstrate that you're a willing and able service member of the community. I've had that just through personal development, my family and things of that sort. Got it. You kind of answered the question that I was preparing to ask. What were some takeaways from the program for you? But I also wanted to allow Mo to share some of what he has gained from the program as well. What I have gained from the program was I, I apologize, not from the program, from the movement. <laughs> oh, what, what I mean, the movement was really just for getting like more educated on mainly present day things that are going on all over the world and even like history. And we're learning about like getting nutritional stuff for us. And then we're actually going and like experimenting with it and then just being active in the community, really. Can I put you on the spot right quick, Mo? Yes. Can you can you think of how you were impacted by our last session? We talked about domestic violence and sexual assault, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, I personally wasn't really impacted, but seeing how the uh, young man, he said that he went through a lot because his dad uh, used to like abuse his mom a lot. And then one day, when they tried to pack it up all the left, 
he uh, caught them like in the act of it and he started uh, stabbing her. It's really like just unfortunate that people, well, not even just him, but like people around the world have to go through that. But also, um, I, God forbid, if I was in a situation like that, I would try to either either like just keep going like he does with his football. I would just try kind of use it as motivation to like keep going because like you see what you're doing and who you're doing it for. Or I would just try and talk to somebody about it to see like he probably has like a, a lot of like, you know, stuff built up inside of him because of like what's been going on with him. So I would try and find someone to talk to us so we can let all of that go. Yeah, and if I, if I can add some context to what Mo's referencing, we showed them a video of a young man who his mom was being abused and he didn't know what to do. And then it kind of came to a head when his father actually stabbed his mother. And so I wanted to just share him to share that from his perspective, just to show the wide range of things that these young men come up against. And so sexual assault, domestic violence, Oftentimes, we put that responsibility on our young women, right, to learn how to avoid those situations. But we feel that it is a priority or even more important to teach our young men how to not be perpetrators in this in those circumstances. So that's just a, a one example of many of the lessons and the objectives that we try to instill in them to inform them and, and have them prepared and be proactive so that they're not being reactive when these situations come up. That's great. That's a really great perspective. And I love how that you guys, you know, have flipped that because I do think there are some things that are gender specific, depending on your perspective and philosophy. But I do enjoy hearing that you all are taking the time to view domestic violence from a different lens. I also followed you on Instagram at her training and saw that you have a focus on teaching entrepreneurship. Can you talk a little bit about that lesson and why that's an important part of the manhood training movement? Absolutely. Uh, I think that it's important to present the young man with a diversity of voices. One of the key mistakes we can make in life is thinking that we have all the answers or thinking that we know everything. I feel that I'm very prepared and equipped to instill values into these young men. But I know that there is a wealth of information and individuals out there who have experiences that they can share with them also that they can learn from. Uh, So recently we went to a pop-up shop from Mitchcraft, which is a local Black-owned entrepreneur. And he was able to just share his experiences, his struggles, his triumphs and successes with the young men. And I really feel like they got a lot from that. And also just to present them with a diversity of choices. Like your path may be to go to college and work a nine to five, or your path may be not to work, not to go to college and to start a business or to start a business right now, you know, like to get them thinking in terms of having agency over their lives and that they have options and routes uh, and that they can just be proactive in how they would like to contribute to society, but also to make a living for themselves. I love that you said have an agency. So fun fact for our listening audience is that Maurice, 
Mo, our our guest, is also one of my favorite people in the world because he's actually my son. And so, one, I'm so proud of his participation. And I would like to share, you know, some of my feedback as a parent with a child that is in the manhood training movement currently. But I wanted to respond to something you said about teaching them to have agency. I was recently at a, a parent club meeting at most school when they were talking about the transition from children to adult, um, a, a child student versus a young adult student versus an adult. And one of the key things they were focused on was allowing children. And sometimes as parents, we can, you know, hover over our kids. And I think that the the term for it is called like helicopter parenting, where you're like right over top of them at every decision. And it is important for them to develop the ability to make decisions, make choices and have agency over their lives. So Baba Hamani, can you speak more about how your lessons are structured to emphasize that skill set in our young men? Definitely, I would say, Critical thinking is so, so, so important. We try to get them to understand that, yes, you'll have peer pressures. You'll have outside influences. You know, right now, a lot of what they're doing is just focused on being accepted, right, or, or developing that uh, social currency. So I, I think in order to figure out who they are themselves personally, one of the first things we did when starting the process, the movement, well, continuing the movement with this group was we had them to do a vision board. And so once they were able to, and that was important because it was essentially them a practice of self-determination, which is a Kwanzaa principle that we cover and teach the young men, Kuji uh, Chakalia, about determining who you are for yourself and for the reasons that you choose. And so that's so important when it comes to having agency over your life, determining what type of life you want to live, determining the type of people you need around you in order to make those things happen. All of this is, is so, so vital. And so without that intention, though, without being intentional about it and being like, this is who I want to be and this is who I am, affirming who you are, it leaves a lot of space for drifting away from your path because you don't have a path. So that's one of the key tactics that we use and that we instill in them and that we try to institute with the young. So can you walk us through the manhood training rites of passage process and share a bit of information about how young men can join the movement? What are some of the criteria and what do they actually go through for what you can, if, if you can share, if you can give us an inside look? of what yeah. they go through in their um, process. Yeah, so right now it has been a two-year process. And then so you have to essentially apply to the program during the application period. And you really just need to be teachable. You need to be open and you need to be willing to commit, uh, not just to the actual program itself, but to the, to the mindset. And I say that as a means to just get across the point that it real it does take real commitment and it's not for everybody. But some of the things that we have them do is to, we get them writing as much as possible. We get them speaking as much as possible to develop those skills. And really just, like I said, learning to think for themselves, 
and a focus on those three areas of development, mental, physical, and spiritual. We do meditation, we do yoga, all of these things, activities are ways that nurture some of these development paths. Awesome. And then is there a graduation, a final? I'm sorry. Yeah, there's a final crossover. Uh, so I would say the, one of the biggest things that makes this process different than other mentoring programs is that the final crossover is a journey to West Africa. Uh, we went to Ghana in 2019 and it's really a formative and life-changing experience. I wasn't in the management training process formally, but I did travel to Ghana with the church, with the program as a youth. And it really, really changes and impacts your life. That is so dope. So when they get to the the end of their rites of passage journey, they will be developed physically, mentally, spiritually, and have a worldview international travel. Yeah. And so the... Obviously, the journey's not over, right? You don't go to this program and come out as a man all of a sudden. But you start that foundation down that path. And a lot of the things that we do over there, visiting those uh, slave dungeons, visiting all of that rich history and taking in that culture, just touching the people, seeing the people, some of them who look like relatives we have, is really a life. It's a full circle moment. So I know uh, the manhood training movement is in the middle of a campaign. Can you share a little bit with us about the campaign? Absolutely. So everything we do, as I mentioned earlier about being proactive, one of the best ways we could be proactive is, is with our intention and our funds collectively. And so I look at donating as like voting right? Almost like voting in an election, but with your money. Like, where do you want your intention and your effort to go to? Uh, so we are definitely have a campaign online right now where we're accepting donations to try to enhance our programming, but also that it takes funds to be able to expose these young men who come from Washington, D.C., to be able to see culture and connect with their his- history and ancestry thousands of miles away from here. Uh, and so people can definitely go through our social media accounts to access our giving campaign. We're really making a push to hit that goal by the end of this month. And we also could just use the services, the skills, the abilities that people have. If they're like, you know, I don't have money, but I can do this. I have this skill set. Uh, those are the types of things that we can be proactive about as a community and not just being reactive when these tragedies happen and figuring out you know, health to skelter, what do we do? What do we do? Awesome, awesome. And I would love to hear from our manhood training candidate for those who are listening as a current candidate. Why would it be important to you for someone to donate to the movement? It would be important for me to see someone donate to our movement because I I know I know like all the work. We put in like behind the scenes and like when the cameras are off, even when we're not in the program and we have like our fundraisers going and we're like going around trying to promote like what we do. So to see someone donate, it would be almost like a sigh of relief to like see that our work is paying off and also kind of as like a congratulations and to let us know that keep going forward because like the process isn't over yet. 
Well, I am so proud of you both, uh, proud of the work that you are doing in the community, proud of the commitment that you are making to personal, spiritual, and community development. Also proud of the inclusive nature in which this movement is carrying on. I want to take an opportunity to give um, a shout out to some of the businesses that have been a part of your campaign efforts and your fundraising efforts. Yes, uh, definitely. In the past, we worked with Mitchcraft, Chef Skip, Carry Out, also did a joint fundraiser with us, which is also a Black woman-owned business here in D.C. Uh, we also did one with Queen Mothers, which is a Black-owned restaurant in Arlington, Virginia. So the community, we've definitely felt the love and the impact from the community. And we definitely want to continue to leverage those types of relationships and opportunities to continue to move this process, this movement forward. So that is so excellent. Any final takeaways? I'll let you um, share, Bo, anything that you want our listening audience to know about the manhood training movement before we close out. Yeah, I would just say I can't. I can't express, express a place enough importance on the, the importance of being proactive. I think our youth are hyper exposed to things like never before in history because of social media and because of technology. I think they have the same issues and things that we've dealt with, but they're just times 10, right? Like we had bullying growing up and things of that sort, but imagine going viral and being bullied by millions of people around the world. So Everything now is just on a magnified, magnified, exponentially bigger stage. And so I think now more than ever, these, these, these youth, our youth need to really, really be grounded in who they are, where they come from, and where they want to go. Thank you so much. And lastly, please share your website with us where we can go and visit um, and your social media handles. Yes, you can find us on manhoodtraininginc.com, our website. Uh, we're also on YouTube, uh, Manhood Training. And then we're also on Instagram at, at Manhood Training Inc. And then you can do a search for us on Facebook at Manhood Training Rights of Passage. Thank you so much again. Uh, thank you for all that you are doing in our community. And thank you, Mo, for being our guest today and sharing your experience in the manhood training movement. No problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me as well. You've been listening to the District Creatives Radio Show, the place where D.C. creators meet to discuss arts, entertainment, and the creative economy. For more information, visit dreamvisionreality.com.